and welcome everyone to the golden hour for today's episode we're keeping things low-key as usual and here in the golden hour i always like to talk about the best and worst always the worst too of film and television and today i'm riding solo it's been a long week for me i've been uh i've been pretty sick don't worry i don't have covid19 i just get Last stomach issues, you know. That's just how I am. But I'm a lot better now. I can do things. I can concentrate on schoolwork. And, of course, my podcast. So, <clears throat> without further ado, I'm going to start off this uh, podcast with some current events. Um, we, uh... Let's see. Tomorrow. Oh, well, today, I think. No, tomorrow. It's Sunday? Oh, my. I thought it was Monday the whole time. Tomorrow will... uh, (laughs) Sorry, guys. Florida will be reopening. And not all of Florida, so be careful, guys. Watch it. Look out for that. Areas such as Miami and Broward are still on the same lockdown rules. And Tampa has been weird, you know. We had a we had a temporary nighttime curfew where we had to all go back home at like ten or nine p.m. And then like you know like half the county didn't even know it existed, so it was only in effect for like four days. It was pretty stupid, but I don't know. They they're not very good at conveying information at times. And the mayor and our governor were duking it out a lot, arguing over this. She doesn't want us to reopen. DeSantis does, but course it seems like we will be a couple of the things that they said uh retail stores and other places that are non-essential could only have 25 percent capacity including restaurants 25 percent capacity and no gyms bars or theme parks so it's pretty straightforward nothing really else to it just be smart guys and stay home that's what i recommend Cook some food. It's better than going out. Don't get Taco Bell and all that. It hurts your stomach. Take it from me. <laughs> so, while I was sick, a very efficient use of time is to watch movies. Watch a lot of stuff. Get my mind off things. Help me relax. And, well, I, I did some more than just that. I finally started my own Instagram film review page. And it's called Rushed Film Reviews. Please check it out if you'd like to hit up with a follow. And I post daily. Multiple posts daily, usually. And, uh, yeah, I just voice my written version of what this is, basically. From my podcast. And, you know, I've been getting a lot of follows. I got, like, 15 followers in two days. I don't know what's going on. I really like my page. Well, um, (laughs) to that... Uh, I don't know where I was going with that. Anyways, yeah, check that out. It's a pretty good, uh, I think it's a pretty cool uh, Instagram page. I also have one for my cat. Don't make fun of me. I use that one to document pictures of him. I don't use that for followers. I know people kind of laugh at me when they're like, oh, you, you made an Instagram for your cat? Yes, I did. <laughs> because I break my phone a lot, and I don't like losing pictures, which I do a lot of. So... I thought a brilliant idea, let's put it on Instagram so I can share with the world 
my cute kitties. Quill. Quill. Meow. Give a holler for the team. Hey. Uh, he won't do it. Stage fright. It's all right, cool. So, like I said, I've been watching a lot of movies and television. We, uh, I like to start off with some of the good ones. Uh, I just rewatched Into the Spider Verse, and it pretty much got me to play the video game now. Oh man, I love Spider Man. He's probably one of Marvel's best heroes. And m- many people who know me, I'm more of a DC guy, so. I don't hate Marvel. I love Marvel. Don't get me wrong. I love their movies. They're miles better th- than the DC films. No doubt about that. Endgame, flawless. Infinity War, I actually think that one's better. I know people catch hate for I know I catch hate for that, but people are like, you thinking Infinity War better? Well, I do. It's just nonstop action. That's what I like. With reason and purpose. Only thing I would say that I didn't like about Infinity War is Thanos isn't given his 100%. But that's also, if you think about it story-wise, he wasn't there to kill him. He wanted the gauntlet to make those decisions once he had the, the, uh, all the stones. Of course, as you know, he snaps them. The universe decides who do- gets dusted and who doesn't. It's pretty crazy how uh, in, in the concept of world and realm of Marvel... No one ever questioned why putting all the stones together destroys everything. Wouldn't it? At least for me in my head, I would think it would want to create more. But, you know, we need conflict, so... Jack Kirby and Stan Lee had to, had to make it creative. And no, I'm not hating on it, don't get me wrong. It's just, you know, a leap of logic in my opinion. How all these stones could do amazing things and then... Suddenly, just do... Exactly what you don't expect them to do. Destroy everything. When they're not purposed that way. But of course that's how evil people are. And that's how they use them. Blah blah blah. Alright. I'm getting way off track. <laughs> that was my only real discrepancy with Infinity War. Was not the snap. That was awesome. But Thanos not giving it all. Only because you know he had a stomach. Just blasted everyone out of the way. I was like eh. Kind of. I don't want to see someone die. Well, even though he killed Loki in the beginning, but... And Heimdall. What am I saying? Infinity War is flawless. That is the best Marvel movie. I might even put that on in the background while I'm talking. So... My next movie... Was, uh... Actually... I don't think I've really talked about it much on my podcast. I may have with my good buddy Ben, but, uh... DC movies are stepping up. They are. I've been reading a lot of stuff and speculation about upcoming DC films. A lot of stuff is in the air, live action and animated. And for those who don't really aren't familiar, the animated movie verse is often compared to the MCU because the animated movies are way better. They're just better. They're cooler, cooler concepts, better story. Granted, some of them lack a lot of substance, and it's just exactly what you think of an animated film. But some of them are really, really good. Justice League Dark, and Constantine and Batman. That one's a pretty awesome story. Gets a little dark in person. Actually, very dark. The title is not misleading at all. (laughs) 
and Justice League Doom. That was a really good one that brought a lot of personality and character traits from all the heroes. That might be one of my favorite ones. That is, that's the one where uh, Batman secretly has these contingency plans in case any uh, Justice League member goes rogue. And this villain disguise, finds out about it and hacks his computers. Yes, he hacks the back computer and steals all the information and takes down the Justice League. It's pretty awesome. I also watched a live-action Titans show based on Teen Titans, and it's really interesting. It's darker. It's grittier. Grittier in season one, the special effects are kind of bad, so it is a little distracting, in my opinion. But season two is a lot more refined. I kind of liked it more. And hey, that Deathstroke, can't hate that, even though it took two seasons. But um, let's see. I recently finished Community a little while back. That was a, a really good show up until season four. I like the fina- very end finale. In season six, that was a pretty solid finale. <clears throat> All right. Lucy. Meow. Meow. My other kitty. Yes. <laughs> oh, she's the sweetest kitty. I found her at Four Green Fields one day. Just sitting there. I was I was a cook at this bar. And uh, I was walking out back to throw some trash out. And I see this little ki- kitty, little kitten head poking through the back door. And I'm like, oh my god. That is the cutest thing. And it was so sweet. It let me pick her up. It let me pet her. Theater, I was like, oh my god, I gotta take her home. I couldn't control myself. I had to take her home. So you have two cats. Sorry, mom. And, um... Let's see. What other... Uh, let's get back on track. These kitties are very distracting. So... Let's see. Uh, let's talk some more movies. Sorry, I had a note page, but it's not very updated, so I'm just going to have to go off of my own. <laughs> Actually, I, uh, my most recent post on my uh, Rushed Film Reviews is a, a little teaser post- poster for Into Darkness, which is a short film I made. It's a horror-ish short, horror comedy, and... Uh, it's about a vlogger who goes to a haunted forest to prove ghosts aren't real. Real simple story. I think it's a little quite effective, and I think it's pretty engaging. Somewhat. Then again, everyone's first film isn't perfect, but I think it's up there. And uh, yeah, I'll be trying to distribute that on YouTube, Film Hub, and other platforms possibly. Right now, actually, I do have a YouTube channel. Just look up Joel Filmmaker. And uh, you can find me pretty easily. I've been uploading all my HCC, my Hawk News COVID updates on there as well as sending it to them. And 
Sorry, guys. One side effect of being sick is I've lost a significant amount of sleep each and every day. Then I'm getting through it. <clears throat> so, let's see. Oh, yes. A very beloved film to me that hits really home, that hits really hard for me, is uh, Jojo Rabbit. It's a very recent film by uh, Taika Waititi. Which should sound, which should be a name very familiar for filmmakers now. I mean, this guy did Thor Ragnarok, What We Do in the Shadows. He's a hilarious writer and unbelievably talented. And I think this is his best work until whatever his next one is. Jojo Rabbit is a uh, takes place in Nazi Germany was a 10-year-old boy who wants to join the regime. And it's really, really good. It's a very heartfelt story. It's pitched as a comedy, and it is. But the reality hits you in that film. There's a lot of drama, too. And almost, you kind of almost forget about all the, all the messed up things that were going on then. All the Jews being killed and yeah, all that, and it's almost like a wake-up call at one part of the movie. It's like, stop, this is about Nazis in Germany and how horrible they were. Like, if the film throws you in a loop with the, just putting you inside this kid's mind and how he thinks and what he wants, and it's done amazingly, and it's, it stars this kid named Roman Griffin Davis, unbelievable performance. And I'm so glad they give him number one casting in it. Like, he is phenomenal. He's before all the other big names. And we got Rebel Wilson, Sam Rockwell, Alfie Allen, and Scarlett Johansson. You would think Scarlett would get the first credit. She plays JoJo's mother. And Thomason McKenzie, also another big name. But, wow, I just... I love that film so much. We got this... My friend Ben and I... I mentioned earlier. Good guy. Great guy. We're working on a TV show now together. Um, I'll get into that later. He and I saw it on limited release. When, uh, when it came here. I'm trying to remember when 2019. I feel like it was like August or something. Or October. It might have been October, I think. But... I believe it is just a phenomenal film. I'm so proud it got the Oscar recognition it got. It won a Best Adapted Screenplay. Yes, it's based on a book for anyone who doesn't know that. Similar name, so don't worry. Actually, no, it doesn't have the same name. Take that back. So, another good film I got to see recently. I'm only going to try to talk about the ones I haven't seen. Because, of course, I love talking about the ones I have seen. Oh, I got a good one coming up. But before that, we're going to hit a quick music break, and we'll be right back. <clears throat> and we're back. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I'm still your host, don't worry. And we're going off to our next film, The Gentleman. It is done by Guy Ritchie. And for those of you who don't know him, he is really good at writing funny movies. My God. If there's one good thing about this movie, is that it's hilarious. Hilarious. 
I think the the best joke they had. I'm just gonna say it. I don't care what you guys think. Don't worry, it's safe for the radio. It's um, they just they introduce Henry Golding's character as Dry Eye, and uh, which I'm pretty, which I'm now convinced as I say that is how he probably got the role Snake Eyes. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and um, Henry Golding is a standout in this movie. I th- other than Colin Farrell, those two were great in this film. They carry this film. Especially Colin Farrell. He is hilarious. And, well, they all are. They're all kind of comedians in this movie, but... The best thing about it was uh, Henry Golden's character is announced, and they're like, he's like the Asian James Bond. Rices to kill. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> that was hilarious. I, I don't care what anyone says. That is hilarious. And there's another one with this other... Guy with a funny name. If anyone knows that what I'm talking about, you know it was a pretty funny scene. Alright, calm down. <laughs> Can't say the whole line. You know what I mean. <laughs> and, my God, this film is just a mess. It, yeah, it's probably not what you thought I was going to say next. It was a horrid mess. Like, way too many plot lines happening at once. You know, it starts off with, it stars Matthew McConaughey and Charlie Hunnam. They work together to run this weed empire. Hunnam's more like his hitman assistant, and uh, McConaughey's the boss. But now that he's gotten older, he wants out of the business. He doesn't want to do it anymore. He just wants to sit back and live the rest of his life with his wife, with his happy wife that he loves very much, and is used as a uh, oh my god, a mot not motif. Oh my god, a MacGuffin in the film, and. No, she is actually really good in this film, too. Don't... She is almost as hard-edged as McConaughey, isn't it? She'd be like, sit down, don't you talk to me. Yeah, you think you, you can walk all here high and mighty in my shop? Like, oh, it's just great. And, the, yeah, the only downside about this film is that it's just narratively all over the place. You know, we got McConaughey trying to quit his business by selling it. And then we have people who want to buy it. And then we have people who don't want them to buy it. And then we have people who want to take over Matthew's business instead. And not just and not buy it. And then we have people who are trying to get out too. And then we have people who are trying to blackmail them all into this. By interconnecting the story. And that's done by Hugh Grant's character. He's a reporter who's spying on the entire time. And they throw you for a loop. Actually, most of this film takes pl- is all in past tense, and it's extremely meta. You know, there's even a point where Hugh Grant talks about aspect ratios and what he wants to f- his his script. Yes, he wrote Hugh Grant's character writes a script that is literally the gentleman's script. Yeah, the script of the gentleman is in the movie itself. It's pretty weird. They take some serious Deadpool-like storytelling here. I love the part where he starts talking about the aspect ratios and the film and digital, what you, what, how it'll look better and blah, blah, blah. And I thought that was awesome. I just thought that was so cool. And I didn't expect that. I will say that. I didn't expect it to take a very meta approach to their story where they start talking to each other or even to the camera. Like, oh, my God. So I think... Uh, I think it was just one of his weakest films, just because it just, it couldn't decide what it wanted to be. 
That's how I kind of saw it. I didn't, I didn't know. We didn't really know what the story was trying to tell. There was no real purpose. And nothing felt meaningful. It was just kind of like you witnessing the story just unfold and happen. You know, there was no purpose. Matthew McConaughey's character had no real goals. No one actually really did, other than the villains, to take over McConaughey. <laughs> so, yeah, if you watch this movie, tread carefully. It's a, it feels way longer than it should be, and it was a bit strenuous. But uh, yeah. So, that's a quick five-minute review right there on a dot. Let's go to the next one. Ho oh. <clears> ho. <throat> could talk for the rest of the half hour about this show. I recently rewatched The Boys. Those of you who aren't familiar, it is a Amazon Prime original series based on the comic book of the same name. And this co- this comic book, for those who aren't familiar, this is a take on this is like a not satire take. This is like a meta, I guess, a meta commentary on superheroes and what they really would be like in this world. Think about it. If there was really a superhero in this world, they would likely have to be owned by someone, a company, a corporation. And that's just how it is in this film. He's a superhero controlled by a corporation for business purposes. And they still go around and save the world, but they don't really have the jurisdiction most superhero movies like Iron Man does. You know, they can do these things, but they'll still get in trouble, which is pretty cool. It's basically if the Sokovia Accords actually went through. But then, of course, as you know, things can be corrupt and things never go their way. I really don't want to ruin too much of this show for you guys because it is phenomenal. And one of my favorite actors on there is Anthony Starr, and he is Homelander. And dude, he kills it. He is the standout role of the whole season. And he doesn't have a lot of acting credits. He has only Banshee and this. And maybe like a movie. I was like, what? So they found him from Banshee. And I didn't even realize that was him. <laughs> I started pretty... I started way back and I only watched like a few episodes. But then... Like I can't... So I was like in and out with that show. And then I started... Now I've started to rewatch it all over again with the newfound knowledge that it's Anthony Starr, because I was like, I gotta find this guy and more stuff to watch. He's so good at acting. And, pardon me there. Quill, what do you want? You want your toy, Quill? So, what's this show about? Yes, superheroes, corrupt superheroes, corrupt organizations running them, and a guy who wants to kill all those superheroes. For killing his girlfriend. And many other people who feel that they've been affected by collateral damage from these superheroes. Think about it like in the Avengers when Hulk's going around smashing in buildings. Who say he doesn't land in someone's apartment and accidentally steps on some human's neck? One of the, that was one of the great... It was a great scene where they're in therapy. Where these people are in therapy talking about damage control that had been affected by them. And... There was this lady who's completely paralyzed, and she talks about how a superhero uh, had to save her from like a falling building or something. I can't exactly remember, but he basically like 
threw her off to back to the ground after he saved her from like the explosion and she completely snapped her back and she was like i just wish he was more gentle with me before and not throwing me on a car and he didn't mean in an inconsiderate way it was just he was in a rush super villain I thought that was really cool because I do think of that sometimes. Like, like Batman when he in Dark Knight when he caught Rachel out the building. You tell me Rachel didn't have one broken bone when they landed, or Batman, like bruh. <laughs> so that's what this show does, and it's extremely gory, extremely violent, extremely explicit. And if you think it's too much for you, don't read the comic. <laughs> Comics a lot more disgusting, graphic. A lot more nastier and a lot darker way darker you think the subject matters they talk about sexual abuse rape murder obviously they go every dark corner you can think of for a show child abuse everything manipulation of parents abusive parents abandonment literally any horrible thing you can think of this show covers it and it's great I mean, <laughs> wow, that came off weird. <laughs> its execution is great, is what I meant. So, let's see. For me, yes, Homelander is a standout role, and Jesse T. Usher's A-Train character is another standout role for me. He was a phenomenal actor. I'm glad Usher, <laughs> this guy's getting a, a lot of great roles. You know, we saw him in Shaft. The new Shaft movie. I think that... You know, a lot of people didn't see that. And I think they should. The new Shaft is actually really good. And really funny. I don't think I'm going to do a, a review on that one. It's been a while. I don't feel like talking about that one that much. But uh, I'm only bringing up the boys because Amazon just renewed for a season three. And the producers and creators just also said that season two is already on, still on track to release... In summer. And last time, the boys released in July. It was like July 16th or something like that. July 19th. And uh, it was looking like they're trying to get around the same release date for this. Exactly a year. Yeah, they immediately started right into production of season two. Seth Rogen is another big producer name on this. He has a little he has a little cameo where they make a joke about the MCU. And they call it the VCU. Because the company's Vought. And... I think that was pretty hilarious. Um, obviously, another highly underrated character on that show is Black Noir, who is my favorite character of the comic. And for those who don't know who he is, because if you've seen the show, he doesn't introduce himself, he doesn't talk, he doesn't do anything other than his job, the right way. Even Homelander says, Black Noir, you've been doing fantastic, keep it up. He doesn't even acknowledge. So no one knows who he is or what he really does. Now, I won't ruin that for you. They do reveal it. But I'll give you a hint. Contingency plans. Oh, yeah. It's a lot cooler than you think. Trust me. If you want to know who Black Noir is, do, do it. Read the comic. Look it up. But you will ruin a major spoiler that will happen in the show. So, just saying. I, they've deviated a little bit from the comics, too. So, uh, 
But as for the most part, they've kept it extremely faithful. I thought that was pretty good. You know, Translucent's the first to die. Uh, A-Train kills the girlfriend. And... Sorry, wait, I can't go and spoil it. Sorry, guys. That's in the first episode. Relax. So, yes, watch The Boys. Extremely graphic. And the special effects are very well done in this show. Insanely good for a season one. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's got, it's got the best script writing for a first season. The first season is completely flawless. I watched it all the way through. It's only eight episodes. Phenomenal. <laughs> Couldn't say that enough times. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so, <clears throat> our next film, Bleed for This. Miles tells a story about Vinny Panzienza, the Pasmanian devil, as in the boxing world. And it's an Italian guy, very talented, and he gets into a really bad car accident and almost completely screws up his neck. But he decides not to quit. Ends up pulling off one of the biggest comebacks. He jumps two weight classes and wins after an accident. Like, that's pretty incredible. It's already hard enough for most uh, people to jump a weight class and stay there steadily, steadily with proper diet and exercise. and Yeah. So, sorry, there, there isn't much to say about this film, literally, other than that. I mean, it's a good film, but it's only, good or, it's only better if you don't know the story. That's it. If you already knew the story like I did, then... There isn't much more this film will give you. Not bad, but it's your typical uh, boxing drama, I guess. Aaron Eckhart is co-starred here with Miles Teller, and Aaron Eckhart plays the infamous coach of Mike Tyson before he got fired from his DUI. And I definitely a standout here was Aaron Eckhart. He's one of my he's a top favorite actor of mine too. He's just in so many good roles. He's played so many awesome characters. I think my favorite role of his is Thank You for Smoking. That movie's hilarious. So geniusly written. And he and, and probably uh, Harvey Dent in uh, <clears throat> The Dark Knight. Amazing story arc. Yeah, definitely that is one of my favorite roles of his. CGI that they did on his face. Yeah, they used CG. Insanely good. I, I loved it. I thought the movie was so phenomenal. <laughs> oh man, I just feel like I'm a recorder right now. <sighs> Sorry guys, it's been, like I said, stressful week. So we're gonna go to uh, our next film. Sorry, I gotta feed the cats. Next film. Green Book. Yes, might sound familiar to you. Won the 2019 best, I mean, 2018 best picture at the 71st Oscars or whatever. 71st, 72nd Oscars? Or the 73rd was a recent. Yeah. It's Parasite, last year's Green Book. And I didn't want Green Book to win when I, when I, I didn't have even, I hadn't even seen it then. That sounds pretentious. I hadn't even seen it at the time. All I wanted was Black Klansman to win. 
And those who don't know me, I'm really good at guessing the best picture winner. I just am. I've never gotten it wrong. Until this, that year. Until that year. I have never gotten it wrong until then. I even knew Moonlight was going to get it. And I don't like Moonlight. But I knew it was going to win. I was like, ah, oh, great. 2016 did kind of suck in the year of movies, in my opinion. But whatever. At least we had a good summer, right, guys? <laughs> Live that. Live that high up. Because we're not going to be having a good summer. <laughs> so, sorry. Back to Green Book. It takes place in the 60s. No, a little earlier. I think the 60s. And it's about a, a black musician who plans a trip down south for his music tour in all the places they wouldn't want him to be. And he hires this Italian New York native called Vinny Vallalonga. Something like that. Tony Vallalonga. Not bad. And he's a little racist, which is expected from his type of people and family. Oh, wait. Take that back. Relax. For the movie's context, that sounded bad. In the context of the film, not real life. So, all right. Now, that's out the way before I get in trouble. This is a outstanding film. Albeit, I read a lot about its controversy at the time. I remember reading that uh, Viggo Morrison, the star who plays Tony, uh, said the N-word at a press conference one time. Someone said he, someone made a joke and said he was still in character. I thought that was kind of funny, but still. Marshall Lee accepted his apology, but it seemed like the internet did it. And that caught a lot of flack and heat. Um, and the portrayal of Marshall Ali's character. He was portrayed as a loner who pushed himself away from his family. And his family, who, of course, the director waited until they died to make the film, which is their request. He had told them way longer before, way before. But he was like, not, Shirley, Dr. Shirley said, not until I pass. But his family thinks that he was heavily disrespected and portrayed wrongly as they told them and then the director that they always kept in constant contact and he always saw them. He wasn't a loner. He didn't push himself away from people. So it was pretty interesting that they made that that type of portrayal in the character. Even Mershahala felt offended at one point. He's like, I'm sorry. I worked with the material I got. I should have done more research. Blah, blah, blah. And yeah, uh, that was weird. But this is a really good film. Don't let all this stupid controversy get in the bog you down from a really good movie like it did for me. Because I just thought it was an un- I felt like an unnecessary film. I was like, oh, we got Black Klansman and all these other movies. Like, how many times do we have to tell the story? I'm not hating. I'm just saying it's done many, 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 many times. I mean, two of them were against each other. It was pretty much the same premise, same idea, and. Granted, they're both amazing. They're always great stories. Even the most recent one I just saw was uh, Just Mercy. Oh my god, I don't even have that on here. On my review page. What? I'm going to have to add that one. Just Mercy is about a, a guy in Alabama who uh, is wrongfully imprisoned for uh, raping a girl. 
and he's and then Jamie Foxx plays the guy, and he's like, I didn't do it. And then there's just an insane amount of ignorance going on, and yeah, it's 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 a really good film. I I, I don't want to get into it without saying something that. Never mind. So. Go see Green Book. It's actually on Amazon now. And it is a really good movie. Very touching story. And I thought it was just beautifully told. Definitely some of the best car road trip shots I've seen in a movie in a while. And one highly underrated aspect of this film that is easily overlooked. Costume design and set production. This film straight up transports you into the 60s. And it is beautiful. I have a scene where they go to Kentucky and they see an old KFC. I feel like I could really go over there right now and see it. And obviously I wouldn't. <laughs> so it, it, it just felt so surreal. And props to them. I, I think they did deserve it now. And then now I see Green Book 1, I think they deserve it. It's pretty surprising. No, literally no one expected Green Book to win. Everyone thought Black Klansman, Spike Lee was finally going to get it. He got his first writing uh, Oscar win. I mean, should have got it for She's Gotta Have It, but whatever. <laughs> or all that, but besides the point. All right, I'll talk about uh, Just Mercy then. So Just Mercy uh, is about Brian Cogman, who, uh, I think I screwed up his name, not bad. But his lawyer, Harvard lawyer named Brian, played by Michael Jordan who goes down south because he wants to make a difference. He wants to help the black community and help the wrongfully imprisoned. As clearly there's no lawyers, people don't want to help him. It's, it's really messed up. And he meets Jamie Foxx, who was accused of rape and murder when he clearly didn't. And it's, it's blasphemous, the ignorant how they ignore all the evidence that literally tells him he's okay. The fact that his entire family saw him the day that murder happened. Like, what? How do you ignore that? Like, you had 12 witnesses say he was at home. Yet he still got arrested. It is an amazing story. And it was directed by Destin Cretton. And his next project will be the Shang-Chi movie. I know, what a, what a switch up, what a switch of pace, so I think it'll be uh, really interesting to see how he takes on the Shang-Chi storyline, considering in the Marvel movies, how badly Iron Man 3 was received, and by badly, I mean pretty bad, Iron Man 3 was received just as poorly as 2, and that, talk about a downhill trilogy like god what what happened they rode out that fame way too fast iron man one blew up on the scene and that and dark knight both came out in the same year dc and marvel each single-handedly kick-started the superhero genre again they made superhero movies good again they made them great they made them phenomenal and man, what a di- what a dive that took! Iron Man Two dipped so low in quality. 
Mickey Rourke even said he hated his character, that he had no backstory. There was no real character development to the story. It was just getting from point A to point B, no matter how or why, especially why. Doesn't matter why. And funny thing, his name's Ivan, and recently in Endgame, you find out that Scarlett Johansson's character, Black Widow, her father's name is Ivan, and obviously, as you know, throughout the entirety of MCU, she has never mentioned her family, so it's really cool that uh, they uh, are going to be exploring that in the new Black Widow film. As you know, now we've seen her family, we've seen her dad, we've seen her mom, and she has a sister. And the big theory is that her sister will die in the film, and that's why she has blonde hair in Infinity War. Pretty cool. And I think that's a pretty likely theory, as we don't see her sister at all in Endgame or Infinity War, so. And, alright. Yeah, let's talk a mess that Iron Man 3 was. Narratively, it was supposed to be Iron Man versus the Mandarin. This is going to be the comeback film. Everyone was excited. Ben Kingsley is in the MCU. This, this guy, this isn't a role that Ben Kingsley can't do. He's unbelievably talented. I think my favorite role of his is his is the one in Hugo. I'll give him that. I'll give it to Hugo. And, uh... Actually, I'm not sure who else. But... Sorry, I have Aquaman on in the background. <laughs> like I said, I'm more of a DC guy. I know I used to talk a lot of trash about Aquaman the first time I saw it, but I, I've actually grown to like it more and more each time I see it now. And the special effects are just stellar. James Wan, thank you. James Wan is also one of my favorite directors. He spawned one of the biggest horror franchises that still is going on to this day. Okay, not the biggest, but of modern horror franchises compared to the old ones, like Kruger, Ghostface, Leatherface, Scream. I just said Ghostface, never mind. Ghostface, Leatherface, Jason, Freddy, Alien. Our modern one is our modern horror franchise is Saw. Yep. Yes, you didn't know. He did Saw. And James Wan has grown so much from that point. He is an insanely good director. He knows how to tell a really good story. And he knows how to keep you on your feet and keep you interested and hooked in his films. Apart from Aquaman, the last, the last film he did was the seventh Fast and Furious film, which everyone knows the one where Paul passed. I will never forget that. I cried that day. It was Thanksgiving. I remember I remember reading it. I was like, no. TMZ had the story first. I'm like, no, no. Broke my heart. And now they're making a new F9. And if those who have not seen the trailer, Paul Walker's wife, which is Dom's sister in the film, played by Jordan Brewster, She's in this one. She's in the ninth movie. Who I have no idea why. <laughs> they already wrote her and uh, Paul's character out of the story, so I don't know how they're going to bring her back in. 
but she isn't the only one they brought back for the F9 movies. Justin Lin said he was such a huge fan of Han. Yeah, Justin Lin, the director, he's done about the second half of all of them, of the Furious films, from five and on, uh, then seven. And, or eight, actually, take that back, he didn't do eight either. F. Gary Gray did eight. And now Justin Lin returns to do nine. And uh, like I said earlier, Justin Lin is such a huge fan of Han, he brought him back too. So we don't know how, but part of it, I believe, is because of the existence of the Hobbs and Shaw spinoff movie. And those who don't know, that movie made over $800 million. Wow! It's like the third highest grossing fast film. And it's the most recent. This franchise isn't slowing down. And you know Vin Diesel owns Fast and Furious? He doesn't just star in it. He owns it. It made him a billionaire. It quietly made him, as I read from one funny quote, it quietly made him a billionaire. And it did. No doubt. These, some of them have already crossed a billion. Especially uh, 6, 7, and 8. And 9 was supposed to be right around the corner. It was pretty crazy. They announced it only months before its release day. And then coronavirus came, so... They moved it all the way to next April, which is fine, but <clears throat> hopefully if this pandemic does slow down soon, they'll be showing, uh, maybe they'll move the release date back up. I was also reading that uh, Warner Brothers is not going to delay Christopher Nolan's Tenant film, which I literally just remembered, because <laughs> they want that to be the big breakout film after the virus. They want everyone to go see that, and oh my god, I, if that gets delayed, there, there's no way it's going to be put straight out to streaming. Nolan, Christopher Nolan films are meant to be in theaters, so I have a feeling we're going to be waiting a lot longer for Tenet, as if we haven't already. <laughs> but it's Christopher Nolan, all his films are so carefully made. I mean, my number one film of all time is by him, Inception. Everyone should know that. I love that movie. More than anything in the world. <laughs> the best movie ever. Literally the best movie ever. I might even rewatch that. Huh? I don't know. Too much. <laughs> Alright, so. <clears throat> Let's see where we're at. Alright, we got like 10 minutes. <sighs> A little more. And, uh. Sorry, still watching Aquaman stuff. King Orm. What a. What an awesome character, played by Patrick Wilson. You know what I think DC needs to do? They need to introduce their multiverse. Doctor Strange is literally... Doctor Strange 2 is around the corner. And that is a multiverse of madness. And I can't wait for it. It's going to be insane. But I think DC needs to jump on it too. DC has a much larger multiverse. All these characters. One of the most famous multiverse stories is the Flashpoint Paradox where Thomas Wayne becomes Batman instead, and Bruce is the one that dies. It's insane. It's so good. And if they're going to do a Flash movie, that should be the first movie. I, I straight up. No, no contest. There's no the reverse Flash, Thunder Flash, all those other stupid characters are not entertaining. Don Vaughn's cool, but that's reverse Flash. And he's only useful because he's indirectly responsible for the paradox, Flashpoint paradox storyline. And that's an incredible animated film and comic storyline. And I highly recommend reading and watching it. And 
DC producers have voiced plenty of times that they want to make Flashpoint Paradox a live action. It'd be really cool. We've already pretty much gotten a Batman that kills now. I mean, Ben Affleck was killing people in BVS, so... Uh, it shouldn't matter. And I can't wait. But I don't think they, that will be the first... I don't think that'll be the plot for the first Flash movie. And the basis of that plot is that Barry goes back in time to save his mom, and it changes everything. He doesn't become the Flash. Everything changes. And it gets all screwed up. Wonder Woman and Aquaman are trying to kill each other. Atlanteans and Amazonians are fighting. It's epic. It's epic as hell. <laughs> and, uh, let's see, uh... <clears throat> No, yeah, I don't think they're going to do that for their first Flash movie, even though they should go hard, go hard or go home. Like they need to they need to push the boundaries of these stories. Shazam was phenomenal. Really pushed your expectations. Like the ending, I did not expect. Did not expect them to become a family of super superheroes. That was awesome. And let's see. Aquaman, very good storytelling. Very powerfully motivated characters that give you reasons that you're kind of like, oh, he's kind of has a point. <laughs> and what's really cool that I've noticed is Patrick Wilson plays King Orm, but he's also played another DC character, Night Owl. Yeah, a lot of people forget the Watchmen movie, and I think that's and that is why I think DC should introduce a multiverse, bring the Watchmen back, bring those characters back. Imagine if we could allow. Multiple char- characters to play multiple roles. What if King Orm and Night Owl really did meet? I, I don't know. It's just some crazy ideas I get in my head when I think about DC movies and what they should do. They need to expand. And I think, I think their, new, their saving grace could be a new Green Lantern film. I know, that sounds crazy. You know what? If they finally read my Green Lantern script, who knows? No, really. I send them my stuff. And, hey, man, if they take my idea, good. Do it. Who cares if they want it? They don't want to credit me for it. But if they, if they, but the Green Lantern can easily introduce the multiverse. And they desperately need a Green Lantern in those movies. They, you can't have Justice League without Green Lantern. It makes no sense. That's just stupid. And that Justice League movie was unbelievably stupid. But, besides the point, I think DC will very soon get back on track. One of the coolest and exciting, most exciting things I've noticed is that uh, they're going to be making a lot more R-rated superhero films. I mean, oh, uh, Aquaman and a Whale. <clears throat> they, they did Birds of Prey, they reshot it to be R-rated. And all this other stuff. And they said if Marvel... And one of the producers literally said, if Marvel won't do it, we will. And this was while when uh, Deadpool 3 was up in the air, if it was even going to be made. <laughs> and eventually Ryan Reynolds confirmed that, hey, they already got far enough. So they're going to make Deadpool 3. And that's pretty cool. It's pretty exciting. We don't know if it'll be R-rated or not. He never... Which was the, what everyone cares about, apparently. Not that there's a third Deadpool. <laughs> and Deadpool 2 was pretty good, so... <clears throat> I think, uh... 
I think they should hope. I hopefully, I hope they uh, they keep the R rating and let it be as meta and disgusting as Deadpool can be. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, guys. We're coming. We're sort of coming to the end of our episode. They each have to be an hour. And oh, here's something now. I just thought of it. Amber Heard will likely not be in the Aquaman sequel. See, uh, she's catching a lot of legal... She's having a lot of legal issues right now against her ex-fiancé, Johnny Depp. I'm not going to go into details on that. You can look it up yourself. But uh, she may potentially serve jail time for like over a year or two, maybe. But obviously enough... Maybe not even a year. I'm not sure. But... She uh she could be in a lot of trouble real soon, and it doesn't look like she'll be able to uh make the casting meetings. <laughs> so and plus a lot of fans want her boycotted out of the movie. So and Ezra Miller, there was this video that surfaced of uh Ezra Miller choking out a fan who all who was just asking for a picture. Uh, granted, he's probably just having a bad day, but you can't do that. You just can't do that as. And I've, read, I've done a lot of research on him because a lot of people don't want him and never even wanted him to be the Flash. And I was like, what? This guy did pretty good in the Justice League film. Like, I thought his character was fine. But I've read about it, and apparently he's a really snotty guy. I read some funny story that this Disney exec gets calls from him weekly begging him to put him in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I thought that was funny to me. That, was, that just grabbed my attention. I was like, huh, pretty weird. That just seems to be how the media is portraying him. Obviously, I could think for myself, but, you know, all these stories are true, so... I'll, we'll let you decide how he is, but it seems like a pretty general consensus. People do not want him to be Flash anymore. Man, it's, it's horrible. Like, all these... <laughs> all these DC superheroes are losing their jobs. Ben quit Batman because of a drinking problem. Henry Cavill left because of poor reception, but now he's back. That's the one character we are very happy has not left. He came back, and he's said he's dedicating his role and 100% to it. He still wants to tell the Superman story. He said in an interview when he was doing after The Witcher, he was like, yeah, I still want to do Superman. There's so many other story arcs we haven't explored yet or even tried. And you know what I think will be a really cool story? I think the Man of Steel sequel should be based on the Reign of Superman comic. And those who don't know what the Reign of Superman is, it is when Man of Steel dies, all these people have to take up the mantle. All of a sudden, this new Kal-El shows up. A literal Man of Steel shows up. Uh, Lex Luthor creates a Superboy out of Superman's DNA. And... Uh, there's other stuff. I don't want to ruin the storyline. Oh, there's a cyborg one. A cyborg Superman. And it is... The animated film is phenomenal. Probably my favorite. Other than Superman Red Sun. So Superman Red Sun, if the name doesn't give it away already, is if is a story, is the same origin story of Superman, but he lands in Soviet Russia instead of Kentucky. Instead of Kansas. Sorry. And... <laughs> Phenomenal. I'm, I'm, like I told you, DC animated films, 
Next level. Next level. I've seen better Batman v Superman battles in animated films, like The Dark Knight Returns. I saw the, I saw that. I thought it was a bit weird. Everyone really, everyone in generally says that's the best Batman animated film, but personally, I actually found it to be the worst. <sighs> Crap. All right, so I'm out of time. So uh, I will catch you guys tomorrow. I'm gonna upload another episode pretty soon to catch up and speed up my pace of podcast episodes. So thank you everyone for tuning in, and I'll see you soon. Peace.